Well, howdy folks, it's Michael Perry's voicemail, episode number three. I'm up in the little room over the garage, and from my window I can see I, I never put the charcoal grill away after we used it last. Among other things, I grilled steaks cut from an eggplant the size of my head, and I am not joking, and I have a big head. In high school football, I had the biggest helmet on the team, and when we graduated from high school and got measured for our caps, I had the biggest head. And then I went off to college, and I thought, well, now I'm in college, it's a much bigger place. I still had the fattest head in the entire class of 87. Um, and grills, man, I am not a grill master. I know there's that whole thing about men cooking meat outside. You have these the same guys who can't, they can't possibly heat a can of beans in the kitchen, but turn on the grill and step aside. There's this book, Thick, by Dr. Tressie McMillan Cottom, and in there she describes how men carve out master of craft personas. And yet, and th now I'm quoting from her book, she says, I have not read about craft nail salons or craft breastfeeding or what have you. They do not seem to have the same cachet as the craft butcher, bartender, candlestick maker dude. And this, in turn, and by the way, this is all from some rough drafts uh, of a book I'm writing about fathers and daughters. But this, this in turn, reminded me of Sister Rosetta Tharp who responded, uh, she was a pioneer in the, in the rock and roll world, and someone asked her about the rock music of the 1960s, and she said, oh, these kids, and you can edit that and just insert boys, oh, these boys in rock and roll, that's just sped up rhythm and blues, I've been doing that forever. And so, um, whenever I see a grill, I'm just reminded of the, the man who won't lift a finger in the kitchen but insists on cooking steaks on the grill like he's captaining an aircraft carrier. Or, you know, to turn my gaze inward, me loading the dishwasher and then sending out a press release. <laughs> uh, by the way, I don't really like eggplant, and that's not an invitation for you to send me emails convincing me otherwise. It's fine. My wife does love it, and she grew those amazingly huge eggplants. And I am amazed at the fruit itself which is like an absurdist non-sequitur visually in the garden, all these green plants, and then there's just this huge purple thing. Um, but, yeah, go ahead and have my piece. The news today is low-key. As some of you may have seen, if you follow my Instagram account, one of my many social media platforms, um, our sweet corn crop is a flop. Our harvest this year will be measured not so much in cobs as in kernels. And the good news is our neighbor's sweet corn outgrew his appetite and freezer capacity, and he's sharing it with us. So now it's time for the Roughneck Rewind, followed by the Roughneck Reflection. Trademark? Not really. <laughs> Every week I write a column called Roughneck Grace for the Wisconsin State Journal. And the freshest one appears on real newsprint on Sunday mornings. And then it's released online at sneezingcow.com on Monday. It's before noon. If you go to sneezingcow.com, it's usually up at the top of the blog somewhere, depending on what day you get there. And uh, that links you to, to the piece. This past weekend, 
sometimes you write them and you, you get more reaction or less reaction than you expect. And this weekend I wrote one about how to figure out what to do with our kids going back to school or not. And uh, that one got a lot of responses. So um, I'm going to read a piece today that was first, a Roughneck Grace piece that was first published in 2013. I'm reading it from the book From the Top, which is also available as an audiobook. And it is called Pathfinding. And so from the top, in the preface, I talk a lot about the Big Top, the Lake Superior Big Top, Chautauqua. And this particular piece makes reference to the fact that during the musical portion of uh, one of the shows up at the Big Top, Chautauqua, that I was introducing, a group of singer-songwriters sat on the stage going around the circle playing songs, some of which dated back to the days of the Troubadours. I was walking from my writing room over the garage toward the house the other day when I noticed I've begun, I've begun wearing a path in the grass between the two buildings. That shallow little rut makes me happy. I don't know how long we'll live on this farm, but it's good to know I've been here long enough to scuff some paths into the dirt. I know all about the negative connotations of the rut, metaphorical and otherwise, but in a world where the perfectly tended lawn seems to represent the pinnacle of civility, I prefer a well-worn path here and there. Back when I was a kid hanging on the Jerry Sobel farm, I used to love walking the dirt path that ran from Jerry's farmhouse to his barn. It cut a good three inches into the sod and ran arrow straight. Jerry's people were Eastern European immigrants who came here with nothing. By the time I was old enough to help hoist his hay bales, Jerry had one of the finest farms in the county. I figure one of the reasons for that was because of that straight path. When Jerry left the house for the barn, he quite literally went straight to work. We had paths on our farm, too. My favorites were the ones worn by the cows and sheep across the pastures. Perhaps these paths didn't reflect best grazing practices, but they did reflect a natural rhythm in which the animals came and went with the sun, and the way the paths forked and forked again and eventually faded into the grass was the same as the veining of green leaves, an organic pattern reassuring to the eye. Not all paths are worn in the dirt. Back in the day, my neighbor Tom used to run a matched pair of oxen. His best pair were named Chester and Lester. They pulled in more than 25 parades, Tom says. He started making yokes for Chester and Lester when they were calves. He says he learned how to do it by reading Foxfire books. By the time Chester and Lester were full-grown, they went about 2,400 pounds apiece. The yoke alone was six feet wide and weighed nearly 60 pounds. Tom hand-carved the beam and made the bows from red elm he cut from the river bottoms. He'd steam them over a hog kettle of boiling water and bend them using a homemade jig. Things didn't always work perfectly. Over in the corner of Tom's workshop, there's a spade with a handle shaped like an upside-down U. If you jab the spade blade into the dirt, the handle rises up, then curves around and drops so that the butt of the handle is pointing straight back down at the earth. One of Tom's favorite things is to take a newcomer through his workshop, and just before the newcomer is ready to leave, Tom will grab that shovel and hold it up. What do you think this is? he'll ask. And after the guest hazards a guess or two, Tom's eyes will twinkle, he'll grin, and he'll say, I picked this shovel up from the ditch after the boys on the county road crew got done leaning on it. And then he'll cackle like it's the freshest joke he's heard in a year. Tom performed the shovel joke for me the first time right around the time we moved to the farm. 
I bet I've seen him do it for other unsuspecting newbies 15 times since. And I know full well that the U-shaped shovel handle is actually one of Tom's failed oxbows. But I never get tired of watching him set the whole joke up and then deliver it with that sly twinkle he gets. That story is a well-worn path, and it's a good one. Perhaps the most precious gift of a well-worn path is how it reminds us we have been blessed with a stretch of no disruption, some measure of peaceful continuity. That's why it's good to hear singers sitting in a circle. The songs they're sharing in the tent tonight are not being sung for the first time. In some cases, they've been sung multitudes of times, over tens of thousands of miles and decades or even centuries. But every time they emanate from the stage, it's like the first time. There are some things, good saddle leather, a shovel handle, a soothing chorus, those old footpaths that don't get worn out. They get worn in. Yeah, so obviously I was introducing. It'd be interesting. I've said all along I want these to be imperfect. I want them to be like we're just shooting the breeze. But I don't know how many mistakes I can make before folks ask me to tighten it up a little bit. But obviously I wrote that piece as an introduction to a radio show that had a songwriter circle on it. And um, I also noticed that while reading that piece, I hadn't read it for quite a, quite a long time. Part of it draws on the book I wrote called Coop, which is about growing up on the farm. And I'm pretty sure I write about Jerry Sobel's path to the milk house in that book. So Jerry was my dad's best friend for 25 years. He took My dad was a city kid who bought a farm, and Jerry took him under his wing, and rather than making fun of him, he, he helped him. And, and they worked together just about every single day for 25 years. And I just saw Dad last night, and we realized while telling stories that Jerry's been dead now longer than they were friends, one of those odd mile markers, time rolls on. And, of course, the Tom I mentioned in that piece is the same Tom from my book, Visiting Tom. And uh, Tom's wife, Arlene, died some time ago now. But Tom is, Tom is still over there being, being interesting and cranky. And he'd be probably happy to tell you that shovel story if you're ever over there. Um, all righty. Well, for the next week, uh, as we've been doing, anyone who signs up for a paid subscription will be mailed a, a sneezing cow sticker. And for all of Mike's books... Mike's. I just, I'm reading the thing and it's in the third person. I'm, I'm only supposed to talk about myself in the third person if I'm a professional athlete. Um, but anyway, for all my books, audiobooks, music, and recorded humor, plus sneezing cow t-shirts, stickers, can koozies, and other merchandise designed to keep ink in the printer and gas in the van, please visit the sneezingcow.com web store. Um, and if you haven't subscribed, we hope you'll consider it. We're going to start going to paid subscription only here shortly. We'll still send out some freebies now and then. We still want to stay in touch with everybody. Um, for the next week, as we've been doing, uh, anyone who signs up for a paid subscription will get mailed a Sneezing Cow sticker. And now I realize I'm repeating myself in live time. So I'm just going to say thank you so much. Somehow I circled back to something I already read. But very grateful to all of you for listening. We'll keep it up. And now, as always, it is time to say what they say, where I'm from. Well, I suppose, forward.